Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 282. We're talking finding Elburn, Illinois. Find it on the map. Find it in your hearts and minds. This is Best Served New Volume 3 with Eric Davies of Puff Truck Pizza, Episode 2 of 8. And you know, for me, this is the series that I'm all about, all about supporting food and beverage entrepreneurs. This hustle, this grind is such a challenge. Anytime you have the opportunity to interact with people that are willing to commit themselves to feed their community, it means so much to me and the hope that I can just be a little part of that journey, that Best Serve can just support them in any way possible. It means the world to me. So I'm excited to have Eric on this series. So uh, we are going to touch base on what we got into last week in episode number one. We're really focused on kind of why you exist, your story, your backstory. So we'll we'll dig into that. And then today we're really going to focus on customer archetypes. So with no further ado, I want to bring Eric Davies in out there in Elburn, Illinois. Good to see you. How's it going, Jensen? It's going all right, man. How has your week been? What's been going on in your world right now? Uh, well, it's been really cold here uh, outside of Chicago. We've been doing a lot of shoveling <laughs> and ice clearing. So that's that's kind of been my existence, making sure that uh, it's safe to walk around or, around here. And uh, so we can even get out of our driveways and get places has even been a challenge yeah. this week. So how does that affect uh, the business? You know, I mean, you, ha- you got the storefront, so people have a little space they can come in, but otherwise you're exposed to all mm-hmm. the elements at all time. Now, people in the Chicago land area are tough as nails. So like a little negative 10 degree wind chill factor doesn't save <laughs> them. They're still out in flip flops half the time, but give me an idea yeah. of like what that means for the business. Um, what that means. I mean, it's, it's, kind of uh, challenges your creativity for us. So um, it's definitely going to slow down our foot traffic. There's definitely um, folks that are wanting to stay inside. It's um, kind of similar to how it's been for the past year plus. Um, So what we've seen is a little bit of spike in deliveries uh, when it's snowing and folks are not wanting to drive when uh, there's, you know, two inches per hour happening. Uh, We've been seeing a couple, you know, an uptick in deliveries in that way. So um, luckily folks have had their driveways plowed enough for us to get in and out and back to the yeah. shop. So um, yeah, so it's, it's uh, just kind of that much of a challenge, just trying to be creative and, and uh, try to market the deliveries a little bit more. Our, uh, our third party, like Uber eats deliveries have up- upticked a little bit as well. So yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, I like to hear that. I like that you're staying ever vigilant, no matter what the, what mother nature or anything else throws at you. So I appreciate that. All right. I want to take just a, a minute or two and touch on mission stories. Then we're going to bring in the one and only Andrew Parr to talk, walk us through this uh, customer archetype journey that we talk about. So week one mission story, this is what you had kind of to start pizza truck. Puff truck pizza is driven to bring fun 
family-friendly food into the world. And we broke that down item by item. A lot of really great sentiment, a lot of things that are very personal to you and the experience that people have. And we wanted to pull on that thread a little bit more because it sounded good. It also sounded like anybody else could have written this. We wanted to personalize it. And so challenge you to kind of go back to the lab and, and write a little bit. And so want to pop up what you came up with, an extension of that. Puff Truck Pizza is driven to deliver exciting quality food and value to you, your family, and friends, and leave you with an unforgettably fun experience you can only get from us. Yes, right? We're pulling them closer. It's personal. It's exactly the experience that they're going to have, which I really, really appreciate. And so I also looked at, you had several taglines. You also had an extension of this, which I really liked. And so I got inspired this morning and I wanted to, to kind of dive in a little bit and really take that personalization even further. And so want to take that, pop that up, Sophie, if you can. And fun, when we talked last week, we, I think the word fun was brought up like 19 times, like very much like you want it to be fun and loose and casual and feel good, right? You don't want it to be stuffy. You don't want it to feel forced or contrive. That was very clear. So I felt like I want to lead with that. Like I want to let people know that. So fun is our secret ingredient, handmade to order every time, delivering the freshest experience possible for those who join our Puff Truck Pizza family. So even taking it even more personal, like absolutely a call to be a part of this experience and leading with the thing that felt the most genuine and authentic to you. So this may or may not be it. What you wrote may or may not be it. It's an evolutionary process. I continuously want to pull at the thread of who we are, who we serve, what we represent, what we stand for, and an experience that they can only have with us. So we'll bring it up again later, but I wanted to kind of reinforce that today a little bit. Uh, are you feeling like it's the, the message is starting to get a little more clarity, a little bit more? You can imagine your customers having exactly that experience and telling everybody they know about it does that feel genuine to you yeah yeah it does and it's i like the where you're going at the very end there and saying you know making them part of the, the puff truck family because often on, on uh, social media that's how we address folks you will know, we'll say hey hey puff truck fam this is what's happening this week um stuff like that so i really like you know kind of that inclusive nature of it yeah and and i and i noticed that too so i, I took a, a minute and just kind of looked around like what are the threads that i see commonly because it's clear that it's just innate in you you just are letting your personality out and you're doing it in that moment because you're you're responding to a dish that you're making or you're you're shoveling snow whatever that is and then you're communi communicating with your community and so i want to pull all that together and what i see is these are the commonalities the threads that clearly are just you and puff truck pizza and i think that's an important thing for us to pull on for people to really feel that at every interaction at every touch point so love that all right what we're going to do this week is really dig into, it's called Finding Elburn, Illinois. Little tongue in cheek because it's a small, sleepy town. Most people aren't going to know where that is unless they've been there or have family that's there. And so we wanted to really dive into it. Yes, yet from everything that I've gotten from you, you wrote an article that's coming out that's, that's really powerful as well. It's very much a love story to Elburn, Illinois. You also mentioned that it took you a while to find your own cadence, your way of connecting with that community and not trying to be Chicago, but be genuinely Elburn, Illinois and Puff Truck Pizza. And so that's what we really want to pull on. So we have, you know, a process called get clear on who we serve. These are really our customer archetypes. And there's lots of boring demographics, things where we're trying to kind of understand them from a financial aspect, 
Uh, but then really what I'm focused on is the motivations, where they are, why they would buy from us, what problems we solve for us. So we're going to get into that process. How did you find kind of that process for you as you you filled out a form that kind of had you build two customer archetypes? Did it feel very natural to you? Did you already have people in mind that specifically represent that archetype? Give me an idea of that. Yeah. Yeah. So um, they were those have been um, those also have taken me a while to understand um, you know, the past year and a half of opening our brick and mortar, um, you know, when you're talking about the food truck, it's general population, right? Like anybody who's at whatever event you're at is going to be walking up to your truck. It's hard to build a customer archetype that way because there's so many different folks. Yeah. But as far as our brick and mortar is concerned, um, when I'm talking about the blue collar worker, which is one of our one of our customer archetypes, I'm, a, I'm speaking almost the, of an exact customer. Um, that's one of our favorite customers and comes, that's a, a frequent customer. So um, he embodies kind of the image of what the rest of those type of customers um, are looking for. So I'm kind, of, I'm kind of using his experience as a guidepost for, for, for who that customer, for the, for the needs of that type of customer, right? So, yeah. um, and kind of the same thing for um, <clears throat> the second archetype that I have is kind of that like family or the, the mom of the house, the food mm -hmm. food decision maker of the house. Um, even in that instance, most of the time that's me in my house. So um, <laughs> the food decision maker. So, um, or, or whoever that is in, in other families, We I usually when those folks walk in with their little kids, I relate to them on, on that kind of a level. Yeah. So, um, and so there's lots of actually, you know, many examples of those types of families with, with kids or without, or whatever the case is um, that come in and kind of relate to, myself as that that person in the household so um yeah stay stay with that you you have your personality type very much is very empathetic right you're very blue you're very much looking to have that that intimate relationship with people always always use that and stay tethered to that as you build these mm -hmm. these archetypes as you build your business as you build the messages direct that to one individual person that you know that you interact with is going to be the best way for that to be true to you and not just be a marketing ploy right and people can call bullshit pretty quickly when you're just being sold some marketing jargon versus something that's authentic genuine and personal to you so appreciate that all right i want to bring in andrew to part to really like walk us through the customer archetype process andrew good to see you my friend hey hey good to be here all right. So customer archetypes, we laid some of that groundwork. We have this actual form that we take our clients through, our subjects through in the Best Serve News series and give them a real perspective and pull at kind of, again, the boring demographics information. Yet I think it's important to understand people from the whole life that they live all the way through the motivations and kind of why they would care enough to order from us. So, so take us through that process. Break it down for us. Great. So we're going to take a look at th this is um, this is what we have that is going to be kind of your living, breathing document. And after we continue to go through this process, um, we want you to be able to walk away with something. And so up top where it says customer archetype, that that's where that's where we'll put the name of each one, whether it's the, the blue collar worker the dinner decision maker, whatever number of archetypes that we come up with. And so like Jensen was talking about on the left-hand side, we have more of the warm, fuzzy, touchy-feely stuff, right? Where 
where do they spend their time? What What's the story of this customer? And I think to, to Jensen's point and what you were doing, the more real you can make it, the more you can tie it directly to a human being as opposed to trying to build someone out of straw is really going to connect you much more deeply to that person and their story. And then the elevator pitch, you know, just letting them know quickly in a sentence or two why it is that that they need to connect with you. And then what's their motivation and, and what, what draws them in, um, you know, and really, as, as you said, calling them to be a part of your experience. And then on the right-hand side, we've got, like Jensen said, the dry, boring numbers stuff. You know, generally speaking, what's their age category? What's the predominant gender of this archetype? Uh, where are they likely to be employed or what type of career do they have? And then what's their income range? And, and as you know, from starting this process and going through the form, these are all the questions that we're asked to put all of this together. And then ultimately, to bring it all together, we want to pick the menu item that really touches this person and that's really going to connect with them. And then understand as you're working through your menu overall, you know, building the different archetypes to understand how to pull each person to a specific menu item that's really going to call to them and connect them to you. Yeah, you're really understanding their expectation and their life journey from end to end and where and how you fit into that is going to be fundamentally important in multiple ways at a high level of just understanding that you are actually creating a product and experience that is of service to them. And also more nuanced and granular is when you start to understand the value. I know that's so important to you that you're bringing what that cost of that product is for them, that experience is for them, when you're in front of them, depending on if it's the dinner decision maker type scenario and recognizing when you need to be of value to them versus the lunch blue collar customer and when and how you need to be value of them and messaging and directing that specifically in the menu item. Again, you want to be in their head, like what is just going to have them say that? That is what I need in my life right now. And appreciate that. All right, Andrew, take us through this form a little bit. Let's talk with Eric specifically about this uh, blue collar lunch customer and break All that right. down. Really understand that customer. Perfect. Right. right. So, Eric, you'll recognize this. This is uh, the input from the form that you filled out. And we're talking the blue collar lunch customer. And uh, let us. Talk a little bit about the age range that you chose. You know, this is uh, this is somebody that you know. So, talk to us about why you picked this age range a little bit. Uh, the, the age range could um, actually be, you know, slightly older than that, but it's generally in that the bulk of the folks that come in that are that uh, blue collar worker are in that age range. The particular uh, gentleman that I'm referring to is like slightly just over that range but it's um but, but he's a an auto mechanic in the area um he's he's a, a regular customer of mine that's uh here every single weekday and and like you know dependable that he's going to be there so um so i chose that age range because although that's the particular customer i'm identifying with the bulk of customers that come in with the same occupation or the same kind of general 
personality are in that age range. Great. And that makes a lot of sense, right? You want to, you know, seven years is a good number. It's a good range. You can, you can really narrow it down and, and you know who you're speaking to because really when you get younger than that and when you get a little bit older than that, um, what motivates these people is going to shift, right, based on, on what's going on in their life at that time in their life, right? And then, as you mentioned, the person that you're particularly identifying with in this case is, is a guy. So uh, gender identity, yeah. a male income, twenty five to fifty thousand dollars a year. Is, that's obviously what you're finding is, is pretty typical for somebody in, in that line of work or those lines of work specifically, uh, you know, where you are physically located. And, and two, at that age range, you know, you've kind of maybe just started your career a little bit and probably haven't moved up to that next level of salary. So um, that's kind of where our value part comes in there, too. So Perfect. And, and in terms of income, what do you think that you are competing with in terms of this particular person's disposable income in terms of you know, other dining options or, or even if they're needing to make a decision between, you know, I'm, I'm going to go to a minor league baseball game or I'm going to venture into the city or, you know, different com competing factors like that. I'm sorry, the beginning of your question you asked, what are... Uh, oh, yeah, what, what other ways are you seeing that people that, are, that meet this archetype are spending their money that you need to sure. compete with for that revenue. Sure. So um, I'm, I mentioned in the other uh, episode that we are right next to a McDonald's. Yeah. Uh, so we're competing, you know, for the quick lunch uh, option there and the cheap lunch option. Uh, McDonald's is probably the cheapest fast food option there is at the moment. Um, so we're competing with them on a price point. Uh, we're competing with, guys that are you know so the particular uh, gentleman in this case likes to go snowmobiling and motocross riding on the weekends right so Good. when he's going out and doing that he's using his budget for you know uh new tires and new tracks and stuff so you know maybe there's less room in there for to eat out so there's always that kind of competition for you know like uh hobbies and other things like myself particularly i'm a musician so there's always that unending need for the newest piece of gear or guitar or whatever it is, right? So even with, with myself, I can identify that way as something that's competing for my dollar. Um, so the, it has to be worth it if you're gonna spend that money at a place out to eat. This is good. This this brings me, Andrew, I'll jump in and pull it two specific threads right now. This this brings up the know my motivation. This is, this is a pillar for us, absolutely. Why I buy, why would I buy this? I have a finite amount of, of money. I'm making $26,212 a year. I'm living paycheck to paycheck and I want to go snowmobiling. I want a new amp. I don't want to spend money on food. It's not that important to me. So this is this is the potential that you're dealing with and needing to understand that is so, so important. So there's two motivators that, that really jumped out at me uh, from what you're talking about. Price obviously is one. You need to bring immense amount of value to people and have them feel that when they're looking at potentially buying. Once they buy, and then once they've consumed the product, there's three different, like you want to make sure they go, wow, that was well, well worth it and delicious and everything else, but well worth it 
is a is such a factor. Now, the second part that you just mentioned, I think about it. We talk about accessibility a little bit from a physical standpoint, but there's also accessibility and travelability of the food. Because now I'm thinking about snowmobiling. Is that the snack that I take to go snowmobiling? How does that travel? Is, is it going to handle, you know, negative 10 degree weather pretty well? Well, you have a super pipe and hot pocket. It's going to stay hotter longer than a lot of other foods. I like that. I would play to that. The musician. Yeah. Is or, when you, or if you were to come back after a day of snowmobiling, you're going to want something hot and filling and, and worth it. You know what I mean? Yeah. That same idea. Yep, exactly that. So I want you to think about that standpoint. Same thing with you as a musician. Like, am I going to be able to eat that product quick, fast, take a few bites, jam for 15, 20 minutes on a new song that we've been working on, and then get a couple more bites, you know, while everyone's like resetting and, and retuning? Things like that. Those yeah. micro interactions are going to be super valuable. So we have these motivations on there. They're very broad. You're going to want to think that and, and extend down price specifically. What is that price point that this construction worker, this auto mechanic is really going to be looking at as far as that's their range? That's their sweet spot. And you want to be aware of that because you don't want to over or undervalue. If they're willing to spend $12, you don't necessarily want to charge 10 and you don't want to charge 14. So truly understanding where the value, where the rubber meets the road on the value. So, so important. So yeah, motivation, very good, and get very granular. You're already doing that. Keep building that and, and communicate that. I want your team to start to understand that, that when the construction workers in, they start to reinforce the language that tells the construction worker, the auto mechanic, that they're making the right choice with their dollar because that's what's fundamentally important to them. That's how you start to extend this language. So we'll dig into that a little bit more as we go. Uh, through this process, but wanted to really go into that. Let's go into where are they? Where do we find these people, Andrew? Talk us through that a little bit. Right. So, uh, you know, looks like what uh, looks like they're really work hard, play hard kind of people, right? Like, because based on the person that you talked about, they're at their place of work, blue collar, grind it out, get it done, support yourself, support your family, yeah. and then get out you know, be outside and, and enjoy that. And, uh, and then also, you know, looks like they, uh, they spend some time on social media because who, who doesn't. Right. And, and so we want to only Facebook and probably not a lot of time. So you have like a very short window to get access to them. I think that's very fascinating and interesting. Uh, Cause to Andrew's point, like Facebook is the obligatory social media. Right. Uh, I guess I'll be on social media. Fine, I'll be on Facebook, but they're not going to be on TikTok. They're not on LinkedIn. They're not on all these different platforms. So I can appreciate that for sure. Yeah, and so I I think the the drill down here and the in the next level is, you know, now how do we interact with them? How do we get their attention? And and I I think it it seems like with with this particular archetype, this is somebody that really supports you. You're seeing them super frequently. And so, you know, the ability to help them fly your flag for you, you know, in this case, word of mouth might be the, the very best opportunity to attract other people's attention through connecting on a deeper level with this person who's already so ingrained in what you're doing. Yeah, does that, here's an interesting thing. Have you, interacted with the auto mechanic and kind of understand, are they talking you got you up at the shop with their yeah. customers, like all of that? 
So I have an actual um, example of that where uh, about a week ago or so, um, I he calls regularly, you know, a little bit after noon. I get the call and he says, uh, I usually, he usually says, give me the usual. And that's a cheeseburger Perfect. for him. And uh, on the odd occasion, he calls and says, give me two cheeseburgers. And I say, oh, OK. So I make him up two cheeseburgers. He comes in and he says, my boss has been coming in and seeing what I'm eating. And he says, hey, get me one of those. And he's and and he also is like, this is why I go here instead of the yellow and red guy. And so he comes, uh, gets a, uh, two cheeseburgers and comes back, brings them to the boss. The very next day, he's ordering two again. So the boss liked it. Uh, he obviously likes it. So, he, you know, he's uh, being kind of a cheerleader there at his shop for us. And then also bringing us more business by buying one for his boss. So um, that's kind of that perfect example of that, of, of that word of mouth. And also kind of that, like, just the existence of my food next to some other guy being jealous of the next guy's lunch it, uh, can also drive a sale our way. Two amazing things, amazing things that you just said. One, I like the real quick rip on the yellow and red guys. Amazing. Just like that flew right out of your mouth. I love, <laughs> love that. The second thing, you're talking about social equity and status because we as, yeah. as humans are always evaluating our own status for better or worse. We do it. And now that mechanic has upgraded their status through your food, that is a fundamentally compelling thing for a human. And what you've just done there in that micro interaction, we need to scale that massively. Everything that I'd be focused on is that because you know you're already doing that to some degree. It's a, it's one. But if you can do it once, you can do it twice. And if you can do it twice and you can build a team and language and a business around it, then you can do it 172,000 times. So that's absolutely going to be core. We're going to talk about that a lot more as we go forward. The ability for your food to build social equity and status is a valuable interaction because now they're not thinking about the cost of that burger. They're thinking about the value of the interaction and the exchange that that, that burger, that, that puff creates for them. Huge. Because now the dollar sign is going away. Now they're willing to pay more for that product. Absolutely. I love that. Amazing. We're going to scale that thinking because it's already there. I appreciate that. And that really brings up like what we're focused on in, in kind of this section of where people are is this idea of on demand. Everything is on demand right now. You want something from Amazon tomorrow. You want something food delivered in 47 minutes. Like you can get anything you want now. Restaurants re really need to be thinking about that food and beverage. We really need to be focusing on that, not just in the ability for them to acquire a product, but the ability for them to acquire the meaning and the interaction and the fun and the family that they are yearning for, that they're needing, and you can deliver that. So I want you to really, really think about that. And Andrew, want to touch on uh, the dish real quick that he mentioned don't worry about bringing the form back up but let's let's talk about that dish a little bit when you looked at the idea of that dish uh and when you looked at the story that you kind of told you told a great story andrew talk th us through that a little bit what eric wrote and kind of how that feeds into who we serve know my motivation and on demand because i think eric did a great job of tying those pieces together absolutely i i think that you know um like we touched on a little bit already, some of the most compelling things, knowing, knowing your customer by name, um, knowing what he wants to order, knowing what the usual is, um, knowing what, what their expectations are. 
and knowing that through your quality, you're going to meet and exceed their expectations. I, I love the concept of food envy that we were just talking about. Uh, and, and I think that that's really something that helps drive that story too, where, you know, it's going to continue to spread throughout the shop, right? Like one time it's his boss, then the next time it's going to be a couple guys on the floor with him and, and really pulling at that part of the story and, and understanding how this can just continue to grow, uh, you know, within the shop and then with like businesses that are in the area Right. Because because the owner of this shop probably own, knows another owner of another small, small business nearby. And then he's going to be like, dude, I had the best burger. And, you know, and it just keeps growing that way. Yeah. I like the idea of making them the hero of your story. We talk about that a lot. Andrew's big, big on that. Make now this mechanic and everybody like that. Everyone who's willing to take one extra moment, one additional interaction, be that connector you need to amplify their worth hundredfold. So, so important. So think about the ways that you can practically do that. Make them the hero of your story. What is that interaction? You know, if that you know that person's name, do it in a micro way. Like, thanks, Mike, right on the box. And now that person also knows they know your name. Oh, yeah, this is my usual order. And now you're a part of what I'm a part of. And now they're like, I want them to know my name. There's layers of that that status and that social equity that you're already innately doing. Create the extension of that through the brand. The way that the brand interacts as a whole will be super meaningful to that. So I, I want to end with this. Uh, Andrew, I want to actually have you read uh, what Eric wrote about Mike. Now I'm calling him Mike. About Mike, the auto mechanic specifically. It's Ray. Oh. <laughs> yes. Ray, Shout yeah. out. Ray, you said? Yeah, Ray. Okay. And, and one of the really Wait. quickly, one of the one, yeah, one of the things you're saying about that um, kind of reward is, you know, he he comes in 20 days in a row, and there's one time I didn't have the proper change for him. I'm like, this one's on me, you know, buy 20 get one free. I even said to him, and we la had a little laugh about it. So, you know, there's that little way that you know I, I know him so well that I can reward him in that way and take that tiny little bit of loss that's going to magnify into something greater later. So that. Your ROI is exponential. You can't even measure how big your ROI is if that's the way that you run your business. Absolutely. I want to find ways that you scale that. I want to find ways that that becomes innate in the way that your business runs outside of you, right? So that you have to wear a few less hats as the operator so that you can take that two-week vacation and not worry about your business because Ray and the whole Elburn community and your team, they got you. Right. And I think that's the important thing. But I want you to have you write that, uh, read that, Andrew, for us. One, because Eric, I like the way I like the way you think. I like the way that you express yourself as well and the way that you're very thoughtful. And so everybody in the comments, you'll you'll have the link to Eric's article. Right. That very much is a love letter to Elburn, Illinois. And so appreciate that. So, Andrew, read that a little bit. Give people a teaser, kind of Eric's voice. Yeah, Absolutely. This is great. The dream blue collar customer is the local mechanic or construction worker who likes our food so much that we know him by his first name. He has low expectations of the food, but is always satisfied with what he orders because it's consistent. He tells his work buddies about our place and even makes them jealous at lunch when he opens up his meal from us. He supports us on a regular basis as well as drives other customers in the door, even if passively. 
He frequents our place because it's easier to park his large work truck in our lot, another mm -hmm. selling place on his word of mouth promotion. Yes, more accessibility. This is really good. Ray, uh, somehow yes. you got to make sure that Ray sees this. Ray and every Ray out there that is supporting small businesses, that is the nucleus, the very like building blocks of what it takes for a business to start to succeed are so fundamentally important. And we call people that work in the industry unsung hospitality heroes, yet so many people that are Ray and the way that they're willing to kind of dedicate their hard-earned money, their time and their effort to build brands, it means so much. So I really appreciate, I can tell how much it means to you to be able to write about Ray. Uh, now that we know yeah. we're writing about Ray, I really appreciate that he's a he's an actual person and uh, just want to give uh, Ray some, some celebratory moment here. Appreciate that. I try to say Ray as many times as possible. So he really like, feels the love for sure. Yeah. All right, Andrew, appreciate you as always. Thanks for walking us through that. And uh, we will check in with you later. See ya. Awesome. Later. All right, Eric. Good stuff. So next week, we're going to get really into the into the handmade puff. What exactly that is in next episode. So what we're going to do is we're going to work on some menu descriptions, more language. It's more communication, more language, more of the way that we connect now what the product is, how that really expresses itself, not just a list of ingredients. And we'll figure out different ways that different lengths and styles of message and words come across in the way that we communicate what's on the menu is what we're going to focus on with that. So we'll dig into that a little bit. And yeah, I'm excited about that, man. I yeah, think I feel like we should probably show people a puff next week. I think uh, I think we have to bring food into the show next week. So let's Absolutely. let's plan on that. Let's let's uh, let's bring a puff on the set next week. Does Ooh. that sound good? All right. Yeah, I could probably do that. Yeah, I've got some great photos as well. I mean, we could always show those, but there's nothing better than the real thing, you know, hot and steamy on on camera. So both. We'll do both. We'll do an overlay. We'll show people some pictures. Let's make sure we get Sophie those and then want to have one because I want it in your hand. I want you interacting with it. There's there's something something so special that when you have this street food product and that. Yep. And the, the I feel a cheese pull. I feel a cheese pull happening. So I like it. That's, that's this is the item that started it all. So I'm excited about that. It's great. We're really going to really going to dig into that product and you're going to see me again and again pull. The product matters. It does not matter as much as why you serve it, right? People buy why you do what you do, not just what you do. So we're going to dig into that. All right. That is it, Eric. I'll let you go. Get back to it. Go snubble some, shovel some snow, my friend, and we'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, Jeff. Cheers. All right, everybody. That is it. For this week, again, Best Served Podcast 282 and really finding Elburn, Illinois, what we're all about. Now, not only did we find Elburn, Illinois, and really how much the people of Elburn mean to Eric and to Puff Truck Pizza, but we also met Ray. I'm excited. Ray, I hope you get to see this. You matter to so many small businesses out there that need the support of their local community and the more time and effort we invest into them, the more opportunity creates for them to bring that dish to their boss, to their, to their coworkers, to their family. It really means a lot. All right. That is it. Appreciate all of you as always for tuning in. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the best served podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at best served podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.